Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Woodstock Nation. Your host, Marla Davies. Hello. Woodstock Nation, the podcast, celebrates the revolution, evolution, and life-changing magic of music festivals from Woodstock to today. I'm one of the producers of Woodstock Nation, the documentary, due out this 50th anniversary year. Today we're going to visit with Mary Bridget Davies, who plays Janis Joplin in the Broadway production of A Night with Janis Joplin that traveled through San Jose at the Center for Performing Arts, October 16th, 2019. We're also going to talk with Dino Fields, who had the pleasure of seeing Janis Joplin for the first time in the Summer of Love 1967 at the Monterey Pop Festival, two years before Woodstock. At the time, Janis was new to the scene, and there was a lot of heavy hitters on the bill. And when Janice took the stage, she blew everyone away. You're going to hear the then teenage Dino and his recollections of that magical music festival. But first, let's connect with Mary Bridget Davies, a Tony Award nominee for Best Lead Actress in a Musical for Broadway. The production traveled through the heart of Silicon Valley recently, and I had a chance to go backstage before the performance, which has traveled all around the United States. Over the last five and a half weeks, the production has gone to Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., Connecticut, Ohio, Iowa, Illinois, Kentucky, Minnesota, Missouri, Kansas, South Dakota, and finally to California, winding through the state, a little stop in Arizona, and then they're going to be finishing off in another week, and then the tour closes. Playbill calls A Night with Janis Joplin a musical journey, celebrating the inspiration of one of rock and roll's greatest legends. The production was written by Randy Johnson, and beside featuring the music of Joplin, it also highlights some of her biggest musical influences. Aretha Franklin, Etta James, Nina Simone, and Bessie Smith. Please welcome Mary Bridget Davies, who took over for Janice's role in 2012. Mary is the perfect Janice, super talented, down to earth, and funny. To get the best recording for this podcast, we snuggled into the backstage bathroom, and that's where we begin. I asked the classically trained singer, who can sing just about anything and anyone, who is her favorite artist to sing? Well, <laughs> Janice, because of the freedom in it, because I've been I've been doing this for a long time and I've been allowed to play. I get the I get the trust, you know, from 
the, her estate and the director so I can get play within it because she never did the same thing twice. You know, and even though this is a piece of musical theater that we are incorporating rock and roll with, it's not like you have to sing this exact same note every night. You know, sometimes uh, the audience will say something and, and I can play off of it like she would, like the banter. So so it's been my favorite gig so far as far, you know, singing for other people's stuff. Although I, I love the Allman Brothers band very much, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, with Janice, you don't have to be perfect. No, right. Yeah. You there's mess there. up a little. Yeah. And sometimes that's when the most beautiful stuff happens, really. And it's rock and roll. Yeah. So that's fun. Are you a rock and roll fan? Huge, real classic rock fan. Yes, that was my parents' music. That's what we were raised on, and blues. And what's funny is Janice was the same way. She was a, a huge blues fan like when she was much younger, when it was considered illegal, and they were called race records, and you traded them like dirty magazines, teenagers, you know, because it was oh, this is taboo and whatever. And she instantly fell in love with it. And living in Southeast Texas, you know, she could cross the border with her friends in high school, go to Louisiana, juke joints, hear the real thing. And yeah, there's no looking back. And I mean, blues is, you know, the father of rock and roll anyway. So they, they go it hand in hand. It ushers in. Yeah. And what about preparing for a performance like this? I know Janice would get the Southern Comfort out. Oh, yeah. This is very not that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would probably, I mean, because this is, a, we are members of the Actors' Equity Union. And if I were to ever do something like that, I, I could lose my card and my job and my career eventually. So, I mean, well, you know, the band, all the girls in the show, we all get along. Like, if we go to a restaurant after the show, have a couple of drinks, that's great. But no, nothing pregame. Can't pregame this. It's illegal. That's the <laughs> Is it really? You can't drink before performance? Yeah, but I, don't, I wouldn't want to anyway because it's not like a bar gig. This is theater. People have paid, like, high price to see you at your best. Yes. And I wouldn't be at my best. Yes, so, yeah. I mean, you're portraying Janice. Sure, which is fun, you know, and, and I, it's not an unusual, she's not an, a foreign person for me to play because I've fronted my own band, you know, since I was in my early 20s and lived that life and been on the road and everything. So it's just kind of like calling back to myself, too, a little bit. But have you ever found yourself lost in the character? Yes. You, you have, because I was going to say, it seems like, you know, you're a theater professional. Right. So you can take on, you know, the you know the Mary Bridget Davis the mask, mask, and then put on the Janice one. But right? Does it blur a little? It blurs. It blurs, and it. Um, there are times that people, you know, other cast members, the other girls, are like, "Oh, so I guess Janice was singing Ball and Chain tonight." I'm like, "Huh? Oh yeah, no, I don't remember that at all." They'd be like, "Here's what you did." I'm like, "What? I knocked a mic stand over. I don't remember doing that." You know what I mean? And because like, yeah, you're just there. You're kind of just. And there's something about Janice in particular. There's just this astral plane where she and I meet. And we just kind of meld, and then I come back down, come back to do the monologues, or if she pops out, if something happens, you know, there's this one part of the show where it's like, oh, the blues is, you know, because I, I don't have this, or I don't have my baby, or I've got the blues because this, right? And this guy's beer bottle at the back of the theater is tink, and starts rolling, I go, or I got the blues because my beer just rolled to the front of the stage. And everybody started laughing because it was in the moment, but that was like something very Janice. Right, you get in the moment with, with right. Janice. What do you think Janice would think about this production? What would she say to you as, I, as your whoa, muse? Jeez, I don't know. I hope she'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that she would love that we are championing the black women who came before her who helped to shape her sound. Because even when she, in her mere two and a half years of fame. I can't believe it. That's it. That is it. Amazing. She was and a comet. Only 27. I completely right. A comet. And um, I remember she was on Dick Cavett being interviewed and uh, he, he was like, is there any uh, new music you're into? And she's like, yeah, Tina Turner. And he goes, oh, the Ike and Tina review. She goes, not Ike, just Tina. 
because she, I mean, you are, you're in the business. You knew that that was a terrible relationship and everything else. And so she was always trying to champion other artists. And, like, she used her minute in the spotlight to turn and go, everyone needs to be paying attention to these women. And so we do that in the show with Bessie Smith, Odetta, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin. And um, I was like, I'm like, there's, there's. I thought there was another one, too. There I was is. looking into that. Bessie Smith, Odetta, Nina Simone, Etta James. Etta. We start the show with Etta James, and it's like my best friend that plays her. I'm sorry, Donnie. I totally spaced out there. <laughs> I still, I'm boggled that she was only around for two and a half years and really in the spotlight. Yeah. And she changed so music much. for women. And yeah. what do you think she would, looking at music now, how would she feel music has gone? Has it gone in the right direction? I think that she'd say, well, Pop music is its thing, and it was always around, and it'll always be. Sex will always sell. Youth will always sell. But people who are seeking out real music will always find it because there will always be real musicians out there. They just probably won't get as much money or yeah. be as famous, but they're there. It's funny because with the pop artists these days, and it's just my little joke, but I always say, put on some pants. Yeah. Like, the girls never wear pants. No. The Janice, Janice had, with the very Constantly. cool style. Yeah. Oh, that was she and her friend, uh, Linda Gravenides. Her first stage outfit they made out of a um, lace tablecloth. Oh, really? Yeah, and they just got some, uh, like, sheer fabric to put underneath it. Just cut the tablecloth out, and she had this cool, you know, the dolman sleeve. You know how she did it, the bell sleeves and the bell bottom. Right. And that's what she was. And now it's a style, but that was just Janice. She wasn't trying to be anything. She created a whole And she culture. was natural and real about it, and that's why it was, she was authentic. Very true. And that's why it came across. Yeah. Now, this production, you guys are on the road. You've been on the road for five and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. it's coming to the yeah. end of your production. It's like you're a rock and roll band. I mean, you're oh, traveling. We are. You're in oh, a tour bus, right? We're in a right? tour bus together. We're, we're hanging out after the shows in the hotels. We're eat together, you know, sleep together. What? That way. No, no, no. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe some people are, but I'm not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I'm good. I, I'm set up. I'm good at home. But, yeah, like... Um, we are. And, and you do. You've just become a family. Just like a nice, roving, gypsy family, mm -hmm. you know, that'll do anything for each other. And you do. It's, it's so funny because everybody has a different background because some of these guys are pit musicians and then they get this gig and they're like, oh my gosh, we're on stage in costume. They are part of the show. You know, but then you have like road dogs that have played for everybody and it's totally second skin for them. And so that first like rehearsal week is just like a learning curve of like, all right, like, are we going to have any attitudes? Is anybody a weirdo diva. or whatever? Well, you should be the diva. You're yeah, Janice. Yeah, but no, she would no, she would be furious if I was like that. And I would be too. I, I don't have the energy to do that. It takes way too much energy to be mean and hold grudges and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So just being authentic. So do you have your own tour bus or how many buses do you have? You're right. all crammed into one? How no, does that well, work? Well, we all have our own hotels every night, which is nice. Wait, your hotel room? Right. Correct. You have to sh share. No, 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 no. <laughs> you no. have your own bed. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're all set up, but then we all ride in the tour bus together. Oh, so there's one bus. Mm -hmm. For okay. the band and the cast, and then there's one bus for the crew. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as we're done tonight, you'll see they immediately start taking the stage down to go to the next town. So the crew has been here probably since 5 in the morning, and they came, set up, did everything. We did a light focus sound check, everything, at 5.30. And then the show starts at 7.30. The curtain is down by 10.30, 10 o'clock. And they have that thing completely dismantled before midnight. Do you roll after the show or do you stay we, here in San Jose? We're, no, we're actually rolling halfway. We're going to Santa Cruz tonight. So just like an hour. Okay. So that's not bad. But then, So our, you know where you're at. Do you know what city you're in? San Jose. <laughs> that yes. was, what's so funny is that um, James Brown would never say what city he was in because he knew he didn't know. 
Yeah, I'm sure it's a blur. It I mean, is. It has to be. It is. It is. And it's funny because when you're like, all right, San Jose, how you feel? Like when you're just about to say, you're like, is this where we are? <laughs> yeah. It happens. You get the wrong thing. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, that's rude. It's like, I've been doing this every day in a different town for a month and a half. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, thank you for knowing it's San Jose. And you're yeah. going to Santa Cruz. You're going yeah. to the beach tomorrow. We can go to the beach. That'd be great. So nice. Now, all these songs you sing of Janice, is there a favorite, the most favorite one to perform? Ball and Chain. Ball because and it was a big Mama Thornton blues song, and I love singing the blues. And there's so much freedom and space in it to, to play with. And depending on what's going on in your own life or, or what you can put all of that and simmer it into that particular song just because of the way it's built. Because it's just, you know, a regular good old blues song. And that's really when Janice joined Big Brother and the Holding Company. I don't know. I can't And you got credit. to perform with them. Too. Oh, yeah. How I, it was amazing. amazing. I got to tour with them like multiple times. And we were, like, they took me to Europe. I was like 28. What? what? Like, playing, <laughs> playing on the same bill as Richie Havens in Paris. I'm like, what is this? I don't This I don't. This is a little this. Woodstock reunion there. Yeah, it was. It was. It was insane. Why do you think Janice has lasted? Her music has lasted for all these years. Woodstock just celebrated 50th anniversary. Yeah. She played there, of course. Yeah. I think she was pretty blitzed, I heard. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Par for the course. But how, why but, do you think her music still holds up 50 years Because she was authentic. You were getting exactly what she was giving you. She wasn't a fabricated identity. She was just a real... I always like to say she was an ordinary girl who achieved extraordinary things. And don't we all want to do that? And she was proof that you could. So she, like, gives you hope. You root and for her. You root for her. Absolutely. And you want the same thing. You know, who doesn't want to get up and sing your heart out and get your emotions out and have people, you know, throw money at you and love and everything. I mean, you know, so I think that in particular, yeah, she's given that to us, that kind of, and not an underdog, but just like girl next door. Yeah. Well, she thought she wasn't that attractive, which is crazy because she really was beautiful. I know, but she... Like we all are in our own, you know, inner beauty. Well, that and that comes with age and grace. Unfortunately, you don't realize how beautiful you are until you older. <laughs> you're like, oh my god, I was so like, Oh my god, I was so thin. I was so thin. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw a meme one that says, I wish I was as fat as the first time I thought I was fat. <laughs> exactly. Well, last question is sure. why she, of course, played at many festivals. You've played festivals. Sure. Oh, yeah. This is sort of like, you know, you're doing a concert. Why do you think music festivals and this kind of, you know, environment is just so powerful and magical? Because there's a hedonistic element to it. And we live in such a wake up, eat your breakfast, go to work, come home, kiss your kids, go to bed, good night, and then do it again until you die. <laughs> and there's something magical about that freedom and that and that space and music. And you know, you're outside half the time, mm-hmm. you know, and you see all like the beautiful people dancing and you know, there's just something kind of hedonistic and, and unbridled and, and magical about it that you can escape. Right. Get yeah. out of the routine. Yeah. Do something different. Break it up. Be free. Be free. Free yeah. bird. I love it. Yeah. Woodstock Nation. I'm Marla Davies. Thanks to Mary Bridget Davies for joining us on Woodstock Nation today. No, we're not sisters, but rock and roll sisters indeed. I thought it would be fun to feature a bit of Mary's version of Ball and Chain from A Night with Janis Joplin and, of course, the rock mama herself, Janis Joplin. And I'm going to let you choose which one is which. Sounds like fun? Okay. Here's the first version of Ball and Chain. Is it Janice or is it Mary? Oh, 
version of Ball and Chain, and you decide, is it Mary or is it Janice?
Stock Nation. I know, it's tough to choose. Did you pick the first one as Mary and the second one as the one and only Janis Joplin? Did you get it right? Coming up, we're going to talk with Dino Fields, a festival goer who went to Monterey Pop in 1967. And he'll share his experience seeing Janis Joplin for the first time. It's Woodstock Nation and I'm Marla Davies. More after this. Woodstock Nation. Hey, it's Marla Davies, and Woodstock Nation celebrates the revolution, evolution, and life-changing magic of music festivals from Woodstock to today. Janis Joplin was born in Port Arthur, Texas, January 19, 1943. She was a Capricorn. She also was a misfit in high school and gravitated to the arts and blues music. Lead Belly, Bessie Smith, Big Mama Thornton. And during college, she discovered beat poetry. Dropped out in 1963 and headed to San Francisco. Janice exploded on the music scene in 1967 and before too long became the queen of rock and roll. Her unmistakable, explosive, and earthy voice filled with raw emotions and vulnerability captured an audience. She made you believe. She forced you to testify. She claimed the blues and soul and gospel and rock and roll with unquestionable authority and verve. Add psychedelic guitar jams and imagine sitting on the back porch of a Haight-Ashbury flat on a foggy San Francisco night. She was wild and fashionable and invented what we now call boho chic. She shattered the stereotypes of female singers. She was ballsy and knew how to play with the boys. Janis Joplin captured the stage and the attention of fans and her fellow artists and blew everybody away at the Monterey Pop Festival. It was her night. Mama Cass Elliot was even caught on camera mouthing the words, wow, as Janice sang Ball and Chain, which you heard earlier from the Monterey Pop Festival. The singer from the Mama and Papas was impressed, and so was the world. Janice earned praise from Time and Vogue magazines and appeared on the Dick Cavett Show a handful of times. Janice died at 27. She was a comet that burned too brightly and was gone too quickly. When Janice talked about her music, she said she couldn't describe it because she was inside it. Janice wasn't a fan of seats at shows saying everybody should stand up and dance. How can you groove from G5? I've never seen Janice Joplin live. But it's wonderful to hear stories from people who did. And here today is Dino Fields, a Monterey Pop Festival concert goer who saw Janis Joplin on a Saturday afternoon, June 17th, 1967. 
Welcome. In 1967, yes. 1967. So there you were, little Dino. How Were you just a teenager? or? <laughs> I was 17, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there you were. So did your parents allow you to go to the festival? <laughs> or just did it anyway? Well, frankly, um, we heard about it down here. A friend of mine named Doug. Doug was always my friend because he was 6'5", 225 pounds, and I could open my mouth and no one would say anything to me. Okay, <laughs> when, you were safe. And he was, yes. <laughs> and and I said, you hear about this thing up north? He says, yeah. And this was a Thursday, and I said, we, there's no tickets, and there was no online presence back then. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I said, let's go. Let's just see if we can get in. And Wait, said, let me okay. see. It was sold out, you're saying? Yes. Oh, okay. oh yes. Okay. <clears throat> we got there. Um, we did not have long hair in 1967. We had it to our collars a little bit past that, but not long hair. So you weren't true hippies. You were just uh, no teenagers. Uh, we, we were just out of high school and working and doing whatever we were doing. And uh, we got up there. And Friday night, we walked around Saturday. And there was a man, an adult, we were teenagers, selling, uh, trying to sell his tickets that he had won on the radio. Oh, okay. We walked over to him and said, we'd like to buy them. And he said, okay. Uh, they, As I recall, they were blue tickets. We didn't know what it meant, but he had two. He had won them on the radio, so we figured they weren't bad tickets. Okay. And we walked up to the gate, and the woman said, well, the most expensive tickets we have are like 16 bucks, oh. <laughs> 1967. <laughs> and we said, he said, is that okay? And I said, yes. Another, um, a real hippie with hair down to the back of his back came up and said, hey, man, those are really good tickets. Can I buy them from you? And he said, uh, no. He said, I'm selling them to these kids. And, and we were like, whoa. And the guy said, I'll give you 50 bucks for them. And he turned to him and he says, no. And then the, the hippie said, I'll give you a hundred bucks for him. And he said, no, you can just walk away. I'm not selling them to you. Wow. And I believe to this day, because my hair wasn't really long, this adult who had won them on the radio uh, sold them to us. The clean so cut said, kids from Southern yeah, California. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a couple of years later, not so clean cut, but at that point, <laughs> at that point, you were still pure. School. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Exactly. So, so they were great seats, or was it general they were, admission? No, they were seated. No, no. It was seated, right? It was VIP seating. Oh, okay. Um, oh, then five... they had VIP seating back in 1967. <laughs> yes, they were ahead they of their did. time. <laughs> well. Uh, we walk in the back of the, it was like a state fairground. It was a fairground, Monterey, Monterey Fairgrounds. It was the Monterey County Fairgrounds. It's still here. Yeah. And yes. that was the show that Jimi Hendrix burned his guitar on stage. And I happened to be there for a festival this year, that Cali Roots. <laughs> and that stage is still there and the burn is still there. Really? <laughs> yes, believe it or not. I did not see that night. We oh, got okay. tickets for Saturday afternoon. Oh, that's and it. Okay. we felt. We felt very fortunate to get any tickets at all because, as I said, it was sold out. And huh. we just, this man, hap we happened upon him. And, and we slept our, in our car Friday and Saturday night in my 1967 Malibu. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so. Now, when you say you got in for Saturday afternoon, you couldn't stay for the night? It wasn't an entire day ticket? If no, they had what? evening tickets. What? It, Weird. It was broken up into sets. Oh, my. And, they asked everybody to leave. <clears throat> Excuse really? me, sorry. But where we sat, there was um, sort of a wire fence after the fifth row. 
we walked in from the back. There was virtually no one in there. We wa- they kept saying up front, up front, up front. We go, okay. So we finally, we get up to this gate and uh, the man there says, yeah, you're in the right place. Come on in. We were the first two people to sit down because we thought there would be other people there. But as you mentioned, they were sold seats, so they didn't have to get there early. Okay, so, so it wasn't general admission seating. No. So that came later. So this was more established sort of from the old model, I guess, which is now the new model again, I guess, right? <laughs> I haven't been there since. <laughs> it's been all the shows are, two years. I mean, there was a, a big trend of general admission. You know, when I started going to shows, it was all general admission, and you just, you know, you found a spot, you stood there. But this was more of that. And yes. now it's more, you know, everyone has assigned seats again. So it's kind of yes. the circle has closed. It's, you know, here we go again. And we were very lucky. We chose the fifth row of the five rows because our necks would have been really strained in the first row. So five rows back is fine, of course. And by the way, I saw Janice, I think it was six other times after this. Okay, so, so so she played a Saturday afternoon. Is that you were just yep. lucky enough? Happenstance, <laughs> you got to see Janice Joplin. Well, yes, uh, Canned Heat was the first act. They were from L.A. We had actually seen Canned Heat down here once before. They played their their blue set was fine. Then I believe it, it was, was fine, the next but set. not great. <laughs> right, it was. That's all it was. We remember. <clears throat> but in comparison, that part of that's my memory. I think because of everyone else I saw. Um, there. Well, I'm just wondering, I mean, it was probably good news. You were, you know, kind of clean cut. You probably weren't too stoned. No, or we I don't weren't. know if you were, and I'm <laughs> no. not judging, but. No, we weren't. You had a, probably a... a better recollection of the show than most. <laughs> That's probably why. Okay. Well, I, I, when, after Canned Heat, they said coming up next is Big Brother and the holding company. Okay. And I, I turned to Doug and I said, have you ever heard of them? He said, No. I said, I'll tell you what, if they're not any good, I'm hungry. Let's go get something to eat at the stand. He said, okay. Okay. So, yeah, famous words that meant nothing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So about five minutes later, four kind of tall guys walk out. And then this very young, not so tall woman walks out in her her now famous jumpsuit that she wore with a bottle of Southern Comfort. Of course. Of course. Her accessory. and, you know, we were waiting. I said, remember, we're going to get something to eat if we don't like this band. He said, yeah. So she walks up to the mic, and I don't think, I think 98% of the crowd had never heard of them or her. Right, they she were a was new not, band. Yeah, she was right. new with them as well. That, that's Yes, she was. And the first song she sings, she starts off with Down On Me. So it was kind of like a big ball of wind in our face. We just leaned back and said, whoa. And, and of course, we never got anything to eat. Let me guess. Yeah, you did not go to the food stand. Good choice. No, no. Well, and it, as we were sitting there, and the seats were basically filled, suddenly we, we look at Brian Jones from the Stones comes out from the sideways, Mama Cass, who ended up sitting in, in front of us, and uh, so many uh, rock people, I couldn't even remember how many. There were some of the birds were there. Everybody, there, there was a famous picture of Mama Cass sitting in a crowd with her mouth wide open because she could not believe what she was hearing. Right. And I think uh, it's caught on, it's caught on a video or, or a film at the time. And she yes. said, wow. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Well, where we were sitting, we chose the direct middle, of course, in the fifth row and DA Pennebaker, who's the, uh, the movie, the, yes. mm-hmm. he did the film Monterey pop. He's well known now, but he wasn't then. 
he walked over to us with a big old camera, um, a professional camera on a stand. He said, hey, guys, would you mind moving over one seat? I'm going to be filming this. And we said, of course, sure. So we moved over, and he sat next to us oh. with his jaw open like wow. a, filming filming the whole thing next to it. And he looked at us like, what on earth? And Janice came out. And then ended up with, I think she closed with ball and chain. And we were sitting there crying. Crying think, because it was yes. that, it touched you so much. Yes. It was, it was wow. a big mama Thornton, big blues song. You yeah. heard ball and chain. Oh, I'm sure. And, and it was this woman, we came back to Los Angeles on Sunday. And I remember asking a few friends, have you ever heard of Big Brother and a Holding Company or Quicksilver Messenger Service? Uh-huh. And everyone said no. I said, well, you're about to. <laughs> I said, this young woman, Janice Joplin, is about to be a big rock and roll star. It was obvious. And Marla, the, the moment she opened her mouth and sang, everybody went, okay. And, of course, she played down here. I saw her, I think, at the Forum, at the Shrine Auditorium. At um, the Hollywood Play, I saw her whenever she was in town. You became a super fan. I saw her so often that I, 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 I deluded myself into thinking she recognizes me. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to be dating soon. <laughs> no. <laughs> she had Southern comfort and I was a 17-year-old, so no. <laughs> but, but and I'm sure I, you were pretty cute in the day. Uh, I mean, maybe you're yes. still cute. I don't know. I haven't met you. I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm sure yes. you are. I'm sure Jan- Janice would have loved to have her way with you. Well, <laughs> she could have. Uh, <laughs> and you were like, okay, I'll well, take she, it. You can take me. Take me. And she was every single time we saw her. However, it was obvious the wear and tear on her at the last two or three performances. Uh, that Southern Comfort was, was never brutal. full and never emptied. You know, it was always a little bit left, and it's it was on the stage right next to her. I mean, I... A couple of shows I could have reached out and grabbed it had I wanted to. I I haven't had Southern Comfort in my life, so I wasn't going to start them. I've had it, and it's uh, icky. Kind of sweet. <laughs> I just remember it being sweet. and I think I drank that when I was 17, but let's not, you know, let's not get into <laughs> my should. history. Yeah, go ahead. Admit <laughs> no. anything you want, Marla. It's, it's a little late now, right? <laughs> I wouldn't drink it now, but yeah, that's that was her drink of choice. She's, you know... In these days, she probably could have got an endorsement deal for Southern Comfort, right? <laughs> oh, no doubt. She would have done an yeah, ad campaign. She, she wouldn't ended have, up though. On the, she probably the Cabot wouldn't. show. And, yes. You know, I, I, won't, I, I don't like the term sellout because the point of being she a didn't. musical artist is to get your music to other people, music that you want to play. And that's what she did. And I saw Janice and I saw The Doors, I think it was seven times each. Nice. So those were the groups back then. And, I mean, there were other groups that day. Paul Butterfield, Paul Butterfield, excuse me, um, Al Cooper, Quicksilver Messenger. So but Janice I, I, we sticks just, out, you know, as yeah, the highlight <laughs> for you. Well, what <laughs> yeah. a good choice. And she wasn't even the, the headliner, right? You were in the Saturday afternoon set. That's correct. The Sunday afternoon and evening with uh, the Who and Jimi Hendrix with okay. and Otis Redding were okay. the were the big stars. Uh, we didn't cool. see them, but we saw Janice. But you saw Janice, and that's just fantastic. Well, it's just so wonderful to hear your recollections of the show. And why do you think the, the music festival? As a kid, you probably got bitten by the bug then. Why do you think they're so powerful? Why do you think they're so magical and still endure today? <sighs> You mean the festivals? Yes, or, festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everyone becomes your friend when you're there, and you know, and except for the the 
guys tripping out on acid or something. You talk to people. I, I mean, I've been to you know hundreds of concerts. I couldn't possibly remember them all, but I remember Janice more than anyone else because of who she became. And you, we would just look at each other and smile and you know give each other high fives. I don't think we fist bumped back in those days, <laughs> right? But we, the music was wonderful. I am a big fan. You know, my daughter's in a band. Well, my son's in two bands. Um, so well, you brought big, your kids up right, Dino. I'm a fan of local music I, and, and rock and roll. And Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry on from the first time I heard them, I said, okay, mom, this is my music. So she said, okay. All right. I don't like it, but go ahead. <laughs> right. Right. I well, get it, it. That's part of it. The rebellion, right? I, well, it probably was because it was the sixties, but I remember my mom was um, a few years before that. Um, I told her I really liked Elvis, and she said, eh, he's okay. <laughs> I said, okay. So then I showed her a picture of Elvis, and she said, okay, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, well, the rest of us don't look like that. That's not really fair that he can sing and look he's like he looking. does. Yeah, he's handsome. <laughs> he was. Well, Janice was absolutely beautiful to watch her. She felt every single note, and every. my guess is everyone in the – stadium or concert venue, wherever she was, enjoyed it thoroughly because she was really, really outstanding. My favorite artist that I ever saw live. That was the Aww. best concert I ever saw. I'm so glad you shared that. I know she made you believe it. Well, that is fantastic. Dino, I'm so glad you shared this. Dino is Dino Fields, Monterey Pop Festival goer as a teenager and is the dad of my guitar teacher. <laughs> that's, your, that's your Dina. So that's yeah. your claim to fame. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take that. The, the right. music runs thick in our family and, and they both know it as, as you know, I hope she's a good guitar teacher. I have no idea. <laughs> well, you'll be proud of her because I did, I worked in a radio station. She and I worked together and we did an event and she, we all had to dress up and she did dress up as Janis Joplin. So, <laughs> yes, I've seen the picture. Yes, I was there, <laughs> yes. and I, I fell in love with her that day, and I love her to this day. So glad to hear that. Thank well, you, Marla. Thank you, Dino. That. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. All right, take care. Love you. You do the same. Thank okay. you. Bye bye. Woodstock Nation. Thanks to Dino Fields, Monterey Pop Festival goer and Janis Joplin fan. And Mary Bridget Davies, who plays Janice in the stage production of A Night with Janice Joplin. I'm Marla Davies. The Woodstock Nation podcast is in association with Woodstock Nation, the documentary, to be released in 2019. And brought to you by the wonderful people at Green Age Development. Thanks for checking out, liking, sharing, and following Woodstock Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Any music used in the Woodstock Nation podcast is owned by the artist and is used for educational and illustration purposes only. Thanks so much for tuning in to Woodstock Nation. I'm Marla Davies. Talk to you next time. Peace, love, and thanks for being part of the tribe. From Marla Davies and everyone here at Woodstock Nation. Tune in, turn on next week. 
Hey, it's Marcus in the Darkest. And Ray Coob here. The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a podcast for the lover of rock and roll. Like many of the other Pantheon podcasts, we take a unique look at the entire rock and roll timeline in a non-traditional fashion. We look at events, we look at movements, moments, albums, tragedy, celebrations, and more. These are what make rock and roll rock and roll. And it's why the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a juggernaut waiting for exploration and discussion. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.